What's going on, investor families? To the Stock Market Tour Guide podcast, where I help you navigate the uncertain world of the stock market. I'm your host, Stock Market Jay, and I'm here to say today, bring you the news you can use with regular fundamental analysis, helpful insights, tools, and strategies. All right, guys, so as we begin each and every episode, this is not financial advice. I am not a financial advisor. I am, however, an expert fundamental investor who has positioned himself and has optimized his fundamental investing capabilities and prowess in order to be able to maximize my profits and limit the risk, right? That's the name of the game. It's the education game. I am in the education game, right? So make sure that if you tuned in, you're ready to do the work necessary in order to inform yourself to get the information that's able to change your situation. There's no copy and paste here. There's no do this and get that. You know what I'm saying? There's no uh, buy this right here and take profits, right? There's none of that going on, right? This is pure education, right? I do believe that proper education limits risk and maximizes profits, okay? So proper education prevents poor performance in the markets, right? That's what we want to make sure we do. That's what we're going to focus on. That's what we're specializing in is ensuring that Everyone gets their their just dues, right? We want to make sure that everyone is able to capitalize on this information, right? Because this is the information that I wish I had at when I was beginning in on my investing journey, right? I wish I had someone that could walk me through this information, give me these skills, give me these principles, give me this, give me this knowledge and this information, this wealth of education, and that would have helped me become a more profitable investor at a sooner time, right? Because I've always been beating the stock market, but it would have happened a little more rapidly, right? A little, a little, in a little faster, uh, fashion. So without further ado, uh, make sure you follow me on Facebook, uh, at stock market J. Follow me on Instagram at stock underscore market underscore J. Follow me on YouTube, stock market J. Follow me on TikTok at stock market J. Um, and I have a, a ebook on Amazon, uh, beginner's guide to stock market investing by Justin Ellsworth. Please tap into that. Uh, I'm offering coaching and consultations for anyone that is interested. Let's jump right into it. So today's topic, we're going to be discussing how no two companies are the same, right? No two companies are the same. I'm going to use Walmart and Target as an example here, just to give a breakdown and unpack um, these the intricacies and the differences between businesses, right? Because you have to understand stocks are more than just a number. You have to understand that stocks are management team, stocks are balance sheets, stocks are income statements, financial statements, 10Ks, 10Qs, uh, earnings calls, um, profits, earnings, revenues, uh, operating cash, free cash flow, right? There's so much more than just a number, but Someone has to be able to paint the picture and help build the story around what these stocks are, right? And if you can build a story, also known as an investment thesis, as to what these stocks, what make up these stocks, right? Which make up the movement upward or downward movement of a stock, you will be able to then, and that point only, uh, maximize your profits and limit the risk, right? Because you know when to buy, you know how to buy, you know uh, when to deploy new capital into the market, you know when to buy the dip, you know you have a buying strategy, whether you're dollar cost averaging, whether you're building out uh, positions at the bottom, right? Whether you're costing, averaging down, things like that, right? And these are the things that you need to understand as an investor that will allow you to maximize those profits, right? In, a, in an amazing fashion, because that's what I do, right? I'm going to maximize these problems. I'm going to limit that risk, right? That's the name of the game. Why do you? Why are you investing in this business, 
right? Why are you investing in this business? Just because the bad boy is about to go up, right? That's not a good enough excuse. Just because old Johnny up the street said that this is a good company, that is not a good enough excuse. It's not a good reason. It's not a valid reason to why you're investing in this business, right? Doing the fundamental research, right? That is what is going to qualify you to invest in that business. Because if you're not doing the fundamental research, then that means that you're going to be what's known as speculating, right? You're going to be speculating and you're not going to be investing. The name of the game for us, we want to invest safely, practically, and intelligently. We want to take all the risk out, well, as much risk as we possibly can, right? Because investing is already risky. What our job is, right? What my job to teach you is how to do is to limit that risk and maximize those profits. Every Every asset class has risk involved. It's not nothing you can't invest in without having first done the due diligence or without having it be a potential risk. Real estate has risk involved. Um, building a business has risk involved. Um, uh, cryptocurrency has risk involved. Buying something as simple as bonds has risk involved, right? Stock market has risk involved. Uh, commodities, gold, uh, silver, uh, oil has risk involved, right? If you're buying at a top, Right. That makes it more and risky and more susceptible to loss of principle, which is what we don't want to have happen. We don't want to lose that principle. Right? We want to protect that principle and we want to maximize those profits. That's the name of the game. So without further ado, let's just give a breakdown of Walmart's numbers. Right. And this is just going to this is going to show you how no two companies are made the same. Right. And this is just it, it's so crazy how. The two businesses in the same industry, in the same sector that faced the same problems and one of them was able to masterfully navigate it and one of them just fumbled the ball for a year straight and is beginning to pick up the pieces but still has a rocky road ahead of them, right? And Walmart, let's break down Walmart, right? And this is the tale of the two companies, right? And this is why management team is so crucial to navigate because the management team are the ones who navigate the economic cycles, right? The management team are the ones who make the decisions on how a company should invest, how a company should pivot, uh, the trajectory is a company, what, what their, their ability is to grow, right? How is this business able to project themselves into the future? How are they able to innovate, right? How are they able to scale the business, right? How are they able to navigate different economic cycles, right? Because everything impacts businesses in a different manner. And as I said, no two businesses are made the same. So Walmart, they raised their four-year guidance. They beat earnings on top and bottom. Okay, I'm going I'm to backtrack a little bit. Both of these businesses raised, not raised, both of these businesses beat on top and bottom line, right? They beat uh, uh, expected Revenue and expected earnings per share EPS, right? They did that. One of them did it in a amazing fashion, and one of them did it in a barely squeak box because we we're trying to get back on track, trying to get our footing right. Walmart raised their four year guidance, they increased their e commerce sales by 26%. So, what this is happening is you have now Walmart becoming a, a player in the e commerce space, right? And, for the longest, Amazon was the top tier competitor, head and shoulders above the competition. They had a lot on e-commerce. Walmart is now taking market share, right? And as we know, market share is the the, the, the amount of the, the, the marketplace that you control, right? The amount of shelf space you take up, the amount of e-commerce e present, right? It's the portion of a market that that business controls, right? So they're in the, now they're taking market share. 
from Amazon, which is the giant, which is the leader in the e-commerce space. Now, Walmart is masterfully integrating into e-commerce because that's where the way, that's the way that the world is going right now. The way is, the way that the world is going is e-commerce. Everything is online. People don't want to leave their homes for nothing. If they can have it brought to them, they're going to do that. If they can order it beforehand online and go pick it up, they're going to do that, right? If they can just outright order it and have everything done, the delivery and everything, guess what? They're going to do that. That's the way the world is. People are so lazy that e-commerce is the the way of the future. And guess what? Walmart's taking advantage of that. They, they have an increase in the advertising revenue, right? So the ad revenue was up 30%. At the end of 2022, um, and, and it was up to like $2 billion, $2.7 billion. The reason why this is such an important metric is because AdSense is the way of the world, right? AdSense is the way of the world right now, right? Like people having an ad space, people getting revenue from advertising businesses, right? From advertising companies, right? Getting this revenue is just, it's another stream of of revenue right it's a low cost low barrier low overhead entry into more revenue and this is what businesses want ads are so crucial uh if you have an android phone and you happen to click on one of the pop-ups on there now it's at the point where you'll have an ad before you get to read whatever article you're going to be reading no matter what it is you'll have an ad right there this is the importance of ad revenue in today's climate okay Businesses, especially tech businesses, are living and dying by way of ad revenue, right? Ad income, the income that they are receiving from ads, right? Um, the stock, Walmart stock is up 188% over the last 20 years. This is the, the growth. It's an upward trajectory of growth. If you go back and look at the chart, don't get me wrong, it's flat sometimes, flat, 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 peaks up, flat, evens out keeps going up right you have to understand walmart is uh it, they, their business is mainly consumer staple right the business is mainly consumer staple meaning that the things that you need in your everyday life right from the toiletries to actual food right they even have gasoline which is something that you need um everything that's a, the the core of their business don't get me wrong like food the margins on the the not the discretionary items are going to be higher than what it is on the food items, right? And the other things, but that's the the their business that they're in, right? They're in, of course, the healthcare with the pharmacy, right? They're in the retail, right? The retail store. They're in, you know, the the their consumer, their staple, right? You need to consume these. They have they have products and services that you must consume, right, in order to live your day to day life. Um, the comp sales will increase by 7.4% year over year. And all these numbers that I'm giving you are going to be year on a year over year basis, right? What comp sales are is basically going to be same store sales. The, how did this store perform at a given point similar to the point in time right now, but last year, right? So let me break that down again. So basically what comp sales is going to be how this particular store performed. At a similar time, meaning if it's March right now, how did they perform in March of last year? Right? Those are same store comp sales right there. How did this business perform at this same time last year? Did they increase or did they decrease in sales? Right? That's the name of the game. Um, international net sales increased by 
Sam's Club, which we understand Walmart owns Sam's Club, it is under their umbrella. They play a big part in the earnings that Walmart brings in, right? They don't have a direct impact on Walmart's profits, but they do have an impact on Walmart's earnings, right? And you, you might want to learn the difference between profits and earnings. Um, so Sam Club's comp sales went up 7.4% excluding fuel. If you add in fuel, because of course when gas went up, I mean, Sam's isn't a place I want to get gas from. You know, I'd rather shop it, go to Exxon and Chevron and then, you know, we'll go to some of those lesser names, but with excluding, uh, excluding gas is 7.4% with gas is 4.1%. Um, Sam's e-commerce business increased 19.5%. The world is transitioning to e-commerce. Walmart, the business itself, is capitalizing on e-commerce and their subsidiary, Sam's Club, is capitalizing on the e-commerce, right? This is how you play the game. This is how you play the game. You have to capitalize on the direction that the money is moving in, the direction that the world is flowing in, right? Nike has a stronger e-commerce space. Amazon built a business around e-commerce, right? Um, People do their online shopping for clothes online now. People buy groceries online now. Everything is geared towards e-commerce. So if you're going to be investing into a retail business, it is often in your best interest, especially in today's climate, to invest in a business that has a stronghold in the e-commerce space, right? Even medicine is distributed in, on, in the mail online, right? This is the way that the world is working towards, right? This is the way that the world is progressing towards, right? And as an investor, you have to get ahead of that trajectory, right? You have to get ahead of that progression. You have to not only understand what's happening in the economy in the here and in the now, but you have to also be able to project yourself into the future in order to maximize on the business model of America, right? And the business model of these different businesses, right? If these different businesses are going to be moving towards e-commerce, it is up to you, the investor, to capitalize who are the biggest e-commerce names right now. Who is going to be an up-and-coming e-commerce platform, right? Who is going to be an up-and-commerce, you know, player in this space? And that's where we want to operate from in order to maximize our profits, right? That's how you find those those stocks that are 10x, 20x, 30x, right? Did you know that if you would have invested in Walmart stock 10 years after they went public, 10 years, you would have made 30 times your money. This was a ten, this was an investment after 10 years. If you didn't trust the business, if you didn't know what direction the business was going to go in, if you didn't know what they were going to go, go, go under, you would have made 30 times your money if you would have invested in them 10 years after they IPO'd. If you don't know what IPO is, it's an initial public offering. It's when the company, they finally go public to the, to the company, allow the public to invest in them. That's why it's an initial public offering, right? This is the point. It's the initial point where the public gets to invest in them. They're offering their shares of the business to the public at this point now, right? Um, there right now, Walmart is gaining a market share in groceries. So Walmart has a distinct competitive advantage of their price of their price availability, right? Their moat, one of their key moats, one of the key metrics is the prices at which they can sell their products is always typically cheaper than these other businesses, right? Have you ever noticed that they even have the price match too? Have you ever noticed that when you go to Walmart, you can have the same item that would sell at a mom and pop store or that would sell at, let's say, even a Target 
at Walmart's prices will typically be cheaper. This is going to be on the apparel. This is going to be on the electronics. This is going to be on the, especially the food, things like that. The, 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 the consumer staples, like, like the toiletries, the, uh, you know, the baby products and everything. Their prices are just cheaper because Walmart's a bigger business. They're so big and so dominant that what they're able to do is they're able to go to these purveyors, right? The producers of these products, the, the, the people that who they're a middleman with, they're able to go to these people and say, Hey, I don't like that price. Give me in bulk this price right here and I will continue to shop with you. And what they do, the people that supply Walmart, they cave, they fold because Walmart is such a big player in their business. You don't want to lose this, this customer, right? So now Walmart says, hey, I got this price so cheap. Now I can essentially outbid everybody. If someone has cheaper prices, come on in here, show me that their price is cheaper. I'll match their prices. That's how they cornered the market with cheap prices. Their operating income increased 17%. These people are making money, right? They have, and I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give Target's breakdown first. Well, I'm gonna give their, their, uh, <laughs> their earnings forecast and breakdown, and then I'm gonna get into the numbers a little bit. So Walmart, they did raise their four year guidance for revenue and earnings. They said, hey, this quarter was so good. Growth was so strong. Things are trending in such the right direction. We're going to increase our outlook and we're going to make more money and we're going to return more money to the shareholders. Target is facing a little different, a few different problems than Walmart is. They're the same, in the same industry. They offer the same services. They have the same appliances and things like that. One was navigated extremely masterfully and another one was not. Let's unpack this. So Target did not raise their forecast for the year. And the stock actually slid as a result of that. So what ends up happening is, let's say you don't raise the four-year guidance. Um, let's say you don't increase those revenues or you don't increase those earnings, right? Or project to at least, right? You don't increase, you don't project to grow the business essentially, right? You, you, you projecting that the business will stay relatively flat as to what the guidance was initially. And you're not going to be able to navigate any smoother than what you already did. So when you get to that point, now it's like now Wall Street is going to actually look at that in a negatively light, right? Wall, uh, Wall Street will look at that as a negative, like, hmm, what's going on? Why aren't you able to raise your guidance on the top and bottom line when this other businesses in your industry did? So they get knocked for that, for not saying, because right now you think about the climate of the, of the earnings, of, of earnings. The climate of earnings right now is, you should be you should be raising the outlook. If you're coming in and you're adjusting it to the downside, your stock will get impacted to the downside that particular day or the day after when you report when you report that earnings. If you don't come out with the solid earnings call and you increase your outlook right now, Wall Street is not rewarding that. Wall Street is actually uh uh it's, it's going to impact your business to the downside because of that. So Target didn't raise their forecast for the year. E-commerce is down 3%. Walmart raised, Walmart increased their e-commerce presence and increased the money that they made from e-commerce 26%. Target's is down by 3%. Their total revenue is up 0.6% for Target. Walmart's total revenue is up 7.6% year over year. Look at the difference. Look at the difference, right? You have a business like Walmart increasing revenue by 7%. Business like Target only increasing their revenue by 0.6%. It's very pedestrian. Very pedestrian, right? It just goes to show you 
the difference in these two businesses, right? Um, Target's inventory, they were suffering, they were struggling with inventory. The inventory is actually down 16%, which is a good thing. Okay. So the reason why you want inventory to be down in this particular instance is because if you're carrying more inventory, that means that you're, you're not, you're essentially not able to move that inventory. You might have to discount the prices to get those items and goods off the shelf, right? If you had to discount the prices, that means your margins would decrease. If your margins decrease, your profits in turn would decrease as well. That's not good. A lot of businesses were having uh, inventory problems uh, last year. A lot of businesses were having a hard time moving inventory. That's why a lot of these different stores uh, like CVS, especially Walgreens, um, some of these different clothing stores and things like that were actually discounting their prices in order to move the inventory. Right. They were, that's, that, that's just the, the state of the economy. That's what the, that was the turmoil that the economy left businesses in. And if you had a, 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 a extreme amount of inventory, it was impacting your business to a, a, a large degree, right? And you don't want that. Uh, so speaking of, of margins now, gross margins are now at 26%. For a business, you want margins of at least 20% or higher. Right. The the higher the margins, that means the more money that you have that you've made in between profit and the cost that it, it took to make whatever item. Right. So if it took you if you made an item, if it cost you two bucks to make an item and you sell it at five dollars, that's a 60 percent margin. Your profit is like the profit is extremely well compared to what it took you to make that item at to what you actually sold it at. That's what you want. You want higher margins, which equals higher profits. That's how we're going to play this game, right? If you don't have a, if you have a business that's having to discount their prices on everything, that means that those margins won't be as high, right? So if I have to sit here and, and, and I have, let's say it cost me two bucks to make an item. I sell it for five. I can't move the inventory. Now I have to sell it for four. Now I have to sell it for four. So now all of a sudden, instead of having 60% margin, now I got, you know what I'm saying, a 40% margin. Now if I got to sell it for three, now it's coming down even more, right? Now if I sell it for two, I'm just breaking even, right? If I'm selling it for two, I'm just breaking even. You got to keep those, you got to keep those margins relatively healthy or you're going to go out of business. That's how it works. Um, they lost $500 million in profit due to theft. I'm not saying, you know, someone went in there and put on a couple of t-shirts in the change room and walked out. I'm talking about like they would lost a bunch of money due to theft. This is a problem that they have to face. This is a problem that they have to address. They're losing hundreds. They, they lost a half a billion dollars. And, and, and from the previous quarter and this quarter right here, they ended up losing a billion dollars in total. You lose. This is money that is supposed to be going in your pocket as the company so you can return this value to the shareholder and you losing it. Comp digital sales were down 3.4%. This is the difference. See, see, this is actually as bad as their earnings were to a degree because they beat on the top and bottom line. As bad as their earnings were to a degree, this is actually the second consecutive quarter where they had beat on the top and bottom line. All of last year was a struggle for them. All four quarters last year was a struggle from Target. It was just, it was struggle. It was ugly. It was hardship after hardship. It was problem after problem, right? They couldn't handle the economy. Walmart didn't face the same problem. Walmart masterfully navigated the economy. They masterfully navigated any headwinds on a micro or macro scale and they did what they were supposed to do. The CEOs, 
the COO, the CFO made sure that this business performed at its highest level when the economy was at its worst level. Target couldn't do the same thing. No two businesses are made the same. Okay. Let's give a breakdown. No, no, before we give the breakdown, so food, you need to understand this. Discretionary spending is down, right? Due to economy and high inflation and high interest rates. So what I mean by this, <clears throat> discretionary spending, what is that? That's going to be the things that you don't necessarily need. That trip to the movies, that, that dinner out to eat, those pair of shoes, that TV, those clothes, right? These are discretionary items. You don't necessarily need these to live your everyday life. It might make a life a little bit more fun and things like that, but it's not a necessity of life, right? So discretionary spending is down due to the economy, right? High inflation. What does that do? High levels of inflation means that the prices of products of the the prices of products, goods and services will increase. During a high inflationary environment, the prices of products, goods and services will increase. That's why when inflation is high, if you want to make sure that you invest in money anyway. Right. You want to make sure you invest the money anyway. But here's the thing. You want to make sure you're investing because your dollar is actually losing value due to inflation. OK, if inflation is high, your dollar is going to be losing value. So it's like for every cent, every percent of inflation is one cent off the dollar. At its peak, inflation was almost nine percent. That means the dollar was almost at 91 cents for every dollar. The prices of everything were going up so much. Everyone understands when the prices of eggs went up, right? When the price of eggs went through the roof, when the price of gas went through the roof, when the price of, uh, uh, you know, groceries, milk, everyday groceries and things like that was going through the roof. That's because of inflation, right? The services that you were getting was going up because of inflation, right? Inflation is a secret tax. The only way you hedge against inflation is by investing. You have to move that money. If your money isn't moving, if your money isn't growing, your money isn't flowing, your money is losing value. Cash is a depreciation, depreciating asset because of inflation. Inflation is what drives the value of cash down. That's why what you buy yesterday's price isn't today's price, right? I like to use this example a lot. Uh, when the beefy five layer burrito first came out of Taco Bell, it was 99 cents. It's a $3 burrito now. That's inflation, right? That's why businesses actually are it's suggested that they increase their prices every so often to keep up with inflation. Simply due to inflation is typically at two and a half percent every year annually. It's between two and three percent annualized at like two and a half percent, right? Every single year. And that's the norm. That's why gold is a hedge against the inflation because gold typically appreciates at three percent a year. The stock market or any investment vehicle, whether it's an ETF, whether it's a REIT, whether it's uh, gold, whether it's silver, whether it's uh, oil, whether no matter what it is, real estate, you want to the name of the game, the financial education side of it states that you have to invest due to inflation. If you don't invest, your dollar will continue to lose value every single day. I just told you what inflation is, right? I just told you what inflation is, the secret tax. It's not so much of a secret. It's just that if you don't know about it, you're going to be you're going to you're going to be strapped for cash. Why isn't my dollar going as far as it was yesterday? Because your dollar isn't worth as much as it was yesterday. That's due to inflation. The only way to combat combat inflation is by way of investing. You have to keep that money moving. You have to keep that money flowing. You have to keep that money growing. Right. That's how you combat inflation by putting your money into an investment vehicle to earn you interest. Right. If right now. Uh, CDs of uh, different say high yield savings accounts 
uh, T bills, treasury bills, different things, different cash equivalents, right? Even bonds are offering you about 5% return and inflation is about five, five and a half percent. This is a hedge against inflation, right? You're, you're putting your money somewhere to get a return on it. You're getting income. Your money is working for you, right? At this point, in order to hedge against inflation, it's a protection. You have to protect your capital to loss, right? You have to protect your capital against loss. That's by putting it somewhere where it's able to appreciate in value and not depreciate in value due to inflation. The secret tax known as inflation, right? <clears throat> Another thing that decreased discretionary spending was interest rates. The Federal Reserve raises interest rates to combat inflation. Federal Reserve has a dual mandate. That's uh, employment stability, making sure that, you know, unemployment doesn't get too high and making sure inflation doesn't get too high. What you have happen is because of COVID, and this is all cause and effect, because of COVID, you have what's known as quantitative easing which is what's happening when you want to stimulate the economy to entice borrowing and to pump the economy with liquidity, cash. And the stimulus, it, it, it stimulus checks left the economy overly stimulated where inflation started going up, 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 up. Businesses were booming. Everyone had money. Everything was good, right? The inverse of that, which is the effect, is going to be quantitative tightening. Essentially, you're pulling liquidity out of the markets, right? You're putting uh, the you're pumping the, the brakes on the economy, right? You're slowing growth of businesses. You're slowing wage growth. You're slowing the amount of money someone can spend because guess what happens now? Debt becomes more expensive. As debt becomes more expensive, everyone has cars, everyone has homes and things like that, credit cards, loans, and all this other stuff. As debt becomes more expensive, guess what happens? Now, all of a sudden, it impacts all the other areas of your life because guess what? If I'm paying more for my home now. Now I have to decide where I want to spend this discretionary dollar at in these other areas, right? If I'm paying more for my car now, now I have to decide, do I really need this streaming account? Do I really need this pair of shoes? Do I really need this trip out to eat, right? Because that money that you would otherwise have had at your disposal, at your discretion, is now being eaten up by more expensive debt. Right. We don't debt can get real expensive. And that's and guess what happens when the Fed rate goes up, when debt becomes expensive. The banking institutions actually make more money as a result of it. Right. So that's why they start offering those higher APYs while debt is expensive, because they're making more money and they need to be able to lend more money so they can continue to make more money. So it starts being a bidding war for your money. This bank might be offering four point one zero percent. This bank might be offering four point one five percent. This bank might be offering four point six five percent. This bank might be offering five percent. This bank might be offering seven percent. This is to get uh, uh, more borrowing. It's to, it's to entice you to. Get those deposits. They need those deposits to go up so they can lend more and continue to rake in all this money while debt is relatively expensive. Because guess what? When debt is cheap, they're not making money. This is the time for them to make money, right? And this is how you have this is why you have to be this is why you have to be financially educated so you can understand how to play the game and you can capitalize on this type of movement, right? Um, so let's unpack these two stocks, and this is gonna be really fun. So right now, Target has $2 billion in cash and cash equivalents. Walmart has $8 billion in cash and cash equivalents. Target has $50 billion, $52 billion in total assets and $40 billion in total debt with a debt to equity of 
you don't want extremely high debt to equity. Okay, I'm gonna tell you that right now. That is that means that you have more, almost more debt or as much debt as you do cash. So when it's time to liquidate, right? If you have to close your doors, you have to sell everything. You're not gonna have as much money to to pay back your shareholders. You have a bunch of different types of shareholders, preferred, common, uncommon, right? You have a bunch of different types of shareholders. You want to make sure everyone gets paid. The regular investor that's not Warren Buffett or a big hedge fund, you're going to be the last ones to get paid. You, me, and everyone like, right? In between, you're going to be the last ones to get paid. We want to make sure we get money in case this business closes its doors. So moving over to Walmart, they have $243 billion in assets to only $92 billion in debt. Right with a debt to equity of forty nine point two percent, you see the difference. So, so Target has two billion in cash and cash equivalents. Walmart has eight billion in cash and cash equivalents. The name of the game is to have more money. The more money you have, the more investing you can do. Right, the more you can expand your operation, the more you can grow your business, the more value you can return back to shareholders. Which is the job of a company is to return value to shareholders. Walmart has $243 billion in assets, total assets under management. Target has $52 billion in assets under management. You see what this is doing? This, the, the discrepancy is wild. The discrepancy is wild, right? Um, both stocks are relatively overvalued in price to book. They're both undervalued in terms of price to sales, and they're both relatively overvalued in price to earnings. So the stocks are inflated regardless, right? Neither one of these are a stock that you want to buy in this current uh, uh, economic cycle in relation to the price. The prices are overvalued. However, Walmart is a buy rating and just completely shutting down Target when it comes to who has the competitive advantage. Walmart is taking market share from every competitor all across the board. Walmart is the go-to guy. Walmart is the top dog right now, right? Walmart has all the intangibles. Walmart is growing at a fast clip. Walmart has a phenomenal management team that's able to navigate these economic times in order to maximize the results that they're getting, right? That's why I'm giving Walmart a buy rating, but not at this price, right? Walmart's trading around 150 bucks, not at that price, right? It drops down to 120, 115. Now we're talking, right? Or let's say the earnings begin to catch up, right? Because right now the stocks are, the stock price is detached from the business's fundamentals. They're not saying that the business fundamentals aren't strong, but this is to say that it's so much new money pumping up the stock, it's becoming inflated and overvalued, which makes it a risky buy. You don't want to buy high and hope it goes higher. You want to buy low knowing it will go higher, right? That's how we play the game. So you don't want to make any risky investment decisions just because I gave these breakdowns on these numbers and, and we know that this is a wonderful business. It's still overvalued. It's overvalued when it comes to price to book. It's overvalued when it comes to price to earnings. These are the two main metrics that help you understand if a business is overvalued or underpriced. You don't want to pay a premium to own these stocks. You want to get them at a discounted price. You want to get them at a discounted valuation, right? Optimal price to earnings is going to be 25 and below. I tell people often 20 and below because we don't want to pay too much of a premium. Price to sales optimally is going to be between one and two. And price to book is going to be below one. That's what you want to see when it comes to valuations, right? These two businesses are not created the same. The stock price has nothing to do with the strength of the business's fundamentals. But 
in this particular instance, these stocks prices are relatively similar. Walmart is completely outpacing Target in every metric all across the board. They're navigating the economy differently. Target has plenty of headwinds in front of it. They're 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 on rocky ground essentially, right? I'm not saying they're gonna go under, but I'm saying they're pretty much on rocky ground. They're trying to get their footing. Walmart is trudging ahead. Hey, what's the next stage of growth? Where do we go from here? How do we continue to grow this business and maximize our opportunities in return, maximum value to shareholders? That's what you want as an investor. This was fun right here. I haven't hadn't had a chance to do a podcast in quite some time. Did you guys miss me? If you stayed to the end, please. I'm offering coaching. Uh, I'm offering. Uh, I'm doing consultation, one hour consultation. I'm offering coaching sessions, uh, one month, uh, three month, and one year. Please, if you have any questions, follow me on Instagram, Stock Market J, Stock underscore Market underscore J. Follow me on Facebook, Stock Market J. Follow me on TikTok. Stock Market J, subscribe to my YouTube, ask me questions, DM me. I am here to help, okay? I am here to help. Um, until next time, investor family, peace.